When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. You're very welcome along to episode 35 of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast with the White Hag. Uh, it's been a challenging week for everybody involved in the club, from management to players. And um, for us, the supporters, the European tour and dream has come to an end. Uh, but we do have a chance to get the show back in the road, I suppose, against Cork City uh, in the Cup on Sunday. So, um, yeah, you're welcome along. We're going to pick apart the 2-1 loss and the 3-1 aggregate loss to FH. Um, the one that lost away to Waterford, and we'll look ahead to Cork, as I said. And also, uh, to try and cheer you up a little bit, we speak to uh, Rovers cult hero, former Rovers cult hero, uh, current manager of Kilnamana, uh, Keith Foy. So it's the usual crew, as always, we're coming to you live from, not live, but we're coming to you from Zoom, and we've got the usual heads on board. We've got Sean Dunn. How are you, Sean? Uh, been better, Connor, but yeah, we'll survive. <laughs> yeah. We'll try and remain as cheery as possible. Jerry O'Connor, how are you? Yeah, yeah, just okay. <laughs> and is Magoo living the dream? No, Connor, let's, we keep keep this one going. I'm fucking miserable. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, so we're going to get your shouts in the shed end uh, in a little bit later on. And uh, as I said, we're going to talk to Keith Foy, but we will start with uh, the game on Thursday last at home, the showgrounds, uh, our first uh, European game in, was it eight years? Is that right? Eight years? Seven, I think. Seven years, um, so three one aggregate loss. Like just on the on the whole, I suppose um, you know we never like we had nothing to get excited all that excited about across both legs. It's just the whole thing was such a kind of damp squib in the end, wasn't it, Jerry? Yeah, look, um, I suppose just w- with the the first half of the the second leg in the showgrounds there, um, you know we had our chances, um, and I never really too hard on anybody for missing chances or anything like that but on, on the same time we had we must have had at least 10 corners in the first half we kept doing the same thing over and over again and it just wasn't working and that's where you know sometimes you'd that, that that's a bit disappointing too when you keep doing the same thing and expect a different result and it's just not happening so that's a bit frustrating yeah um Shane, like we did, we did. It, it there was a, it felt like, you know, it felt like we went out on the right, we went out with, with the right attitude from the start in the showgrounds, and it felt quite positive, didn't it? Yeah, um, much like the first leg, um, them lads were there for the taking on the night again. Um, over the two games, when while both games were nil nil, we had the chances to to get draw first blood in both games, and and goals change games, like, and. Like they scored at great times as well in both games. The end of the first game, end of the first half, start of the second half, like yeah, killer times for us. But we had the chances before that to put like so we're no great. That's the one thing we talked about a week ago. And I was saying the one thing is 
to do ourselves justice and not be sitting here on Tuesday week saying, what if? And that's exactly what we're fucking doing, is sitting here saying, what if we've taken this chance? And what if we've taken that chance? And what if this hadn't happened? And I think, you know, like, whatever about Thursday night and missing the chances and all that, uh, like, that game was lost in the first leg. Coming back here to the showgrounds, one down, I said it last week, I didn't be confident at all coming in with a deficit. I know we had chances in the first half to score two or three, but you're always, uh, it's always an uphill battle coming in with a deficit. And we lost 10 minutes in the first leg, lost that tie for us. So, Sean, was it a case that, you know, we didn't convert the chances that we had created? Or is it a case that uh, FH are a more experienced European outfit and really we probably never, we never really troubled them too much and they were always in control? Um, it's. I think it's a case of not taking our chances. I wouldn't give FH that much credit and say they're a more experienced European side. People, a team will always look more experienced when you play into their hands. And we were the definition of insanity by continuing to cross the ball high into the box. Your those two centre halves were mopping that up. They loved it. Just head the ball clear every time. We we never tried anything different. We didn't try even playing behind them. We we kept it very basic. I would say. There was no, there was no cleverness to us. We were, we were very, we were very good from the from the start. Like there was a lot of energy to us. We were, we were going about things the right way, but realistically, it just it never looked like it was going anywhere. Yeah, and then we it felt like it felt like we were kind of um, at the come, at the come, at the come. Yeah, it's that. Right it let's is keep that. doing the same thing. Let's keep doing the same thing, and then yeah. bang, they score. Yeah, and then it's just like shit. What do we do now? Yeah, yeah. and it's just. They took that one opportunity that we couldn't do. Yeah. You know, and look, and look, it's not a case, as Jerry says, anything given out about strikers or stuff like that. Shit happens, chances are missed. But when opportunities, right, you do have to take them in situations like that. It's like what's if it's not happening, do something different. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I felt then as well as the game went on, the changes that we made just didn't make any sense. Really. We'll get, just... we'll get, we'll get on to the changes in a minute, uh, but... Uh, Magoo, I don't know. I didn't see. I from where I was in the showgrounds, I couldn't see uh, the penalty that they were awarded. Although by um, all accounts, it was soft. Or, yeah, it was. Sorry, it was a free kick that they got. That scored the first goal off, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't see the first goal. Um, that was down the far end from where I was. Yeah. I was the red yeah. end, so um, I didn't see neither. Like I originally thought it was a corner, and then yeah. when he was when he was taken, I was like, "Where's he taking this from?" But then the lads were saying to me after the game. That uh, that uh, it was awful harsh, awful harsh. More than likely, probably not not a free at all. But yeah, and um, I think it was a I, again. I didn't see it very clearly. It was at the wrong end of the pitch. Uh, keeper might have um, gained possession of the ball at some stage, and it's, I think it spilled to Lennon. And again, Stevie Lennon's the difference. Like you know, you give him you give him half a chance, or you give him some sort of opportunity. You know, we had loads of chances and we created chances, but we didn't find the onion bag. And when it was, he was called on to do so, he did. Yeah, he was alive, he, wasn't he? Yeah, well, like it's amazing though that we've created all the chances over two legs and we've lost three one. Like he he hasn't had a chance and he scored two goals. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. But as you said, there were half chances. Like compared to the chances that we created, I yeah. think over the two legs, Lennon has three shots on target and scores two of them. Yeah. That's a that's that's a prolific stat. Like that's that's a goal score. Yeah. Um, 
and do you think like do you think well, you know what what will they take away from what will the Icelandic fans be saying about Sligo Rovers? Would you think they'd be saying we got lucky? Take away three hundred grand, Connor. That's what they'll take away. But do you, would you think they'd be? Would they be saying, you know, dealt with them handy enough, or do would you think they'd be saying they got lucky? I think they'll say we got away with one. Yeah, I, don't I, was, know. I was talking to I was talking to um, I was talking to uh, Cauley there, uh, Alan Cauley at the on understanding game on Saturday, and he was saying he was texting uh, Lennon. Yeah. And he was saying Lennon was saying that we got absolutely battered in the first half, as in uh, the Icelandic team, and it, they they felt that they were lucky to get away. They 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 felt fortunate to win the games on aggregate three one. They they couldn't really believe how they won at three one. Right. So that's wrong. But, say, go. Did, but did, no, but did, you see, but the, the other side of that is they, they still would have made. Like I said last week, when the draw was made, teams with these European experience and stuff like that, they would have looked at us and went, ah, "We probably come out of this handy enough." I'd say. My, we might yeah, have to, I, 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 I felt confidence, but yeah. I think handy is, you know. No, that's look. what they would have thought before the draw was yeah. made, I'd say. And I'd say, I'd say if you spoke to them now, they'd probably say, oh, we've done what we had to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, um, yeah. I mean, I, I always had the feeling that they were, they, I always had, I know we created chances that we didn't convert, but I always felt like they were never really flustered by us. Um, but we weren't flustered either. Yeah, but we've played in. That's why you were saying there, Connor, earlier on that we played into their hands in certain aspects of it because we kept crossing the ball into the box, into those two centre halves, and we weren't causing them any trouble from that. We didn't cause them any trouble from once Romeo wins that wins that header where it actually comes off his shoulder and goes over the bar. And that's yeah, from we, one cross. I, I we think need you can to say, go, we need to go ahead. We need yeah. sorry, Jerry. We need to go no. ahead in either game to really see how good they were. Yeah, to, to put the pressure on them. They were never under pressure. Yeah, uh, in the second half, Regan Donlan's the penalty that he gave away. I mean, that kind of felt like there wasn't much in that either. It was unnecessary, though. Did he have a hand on him? He must have had a hand. Yeah, on him. he did. He did. There wasn't much in the hand than on the shoulder, but the hand was on the shoulder. Um, I just don't think he knew where the defender was, or not sorry, defender, the attacker was. Yeah. And he came in. He got in ahead of him and nipped. The, and the ball was going out of play. Yeah. The ball was going over. There was no absolutely zero danger. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he didn't know where he was. He nipped in ahead of him, got a touch in the ball. Regan was like, shit, puts his hand on the shoulder. Your man yeah. feels it, goes down, and it's penalty. And the ball was out of play, I'd say, by the time the referee blew the whistle. Yeah, I mean, I had looked away at that stage because I thought there's, no, there's nothing going on here. And then I turned yeah. back and seen... And Regan did too. Yeah, there's been a penalty awarded. Um, and that's 2-0, and then it's very difficult after that. But that's not to say that we didn't still create um, a chance... Um, just before the hour mark, David Cawley had the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> Again, I didn't see it. Uh, <laughs> was he onside or offside? We used to lose his Oh God! Maybe I did see it, but it just didn't didn't stay in the grey matter. Didn't stick. Yeah, I saw I saw him strike the ball, and then I was like, "That's a goal." And it's then, a great finish. Then yeah. um, I don't know. My father told me to said, "Nice offside." Yeah, I think great. he was gone. I was even chatting to David about it, and David thinks if there's anything in it, it's Minuscule. It's minute. Yeah. It's literally minute. Yeah, and like that changes things then as well. If that's given, like you know, that's there's yeah. still half an hour to play, like you know, and we've got a goal. You know, we score another goal. So like we didn't really get the rubber to green across across, uh, you know, 120 minutes. It's that age old saying, doesn't it? You make your own luck. Don't rely on anyone else. Yeah, yeah. There's a great um. There's a great thing put up on a. Uh, there was a Cork manager, Cork under 20 manager. I think it was oh, for a game of football. 
brilliant interview. brilliant interview it's like six minutes I, i'll actually put it up on the trust uh, account maybe on twitter after this tonight but um the the, the the under 20 manager you know it's six minutes and the way he speaks is just brilliant and about player development and about referees and all this kind of crack and he's, he makes a point of there was a penalty given against Cork in the game that he's talking about. And the the interview says to him, do you think it was a penalty? And he goes, look, whether I think it's a penalty or not, is kind of irrelevant. Uh, he's like, the most respect for referees. And at the end of the day, he said, we should, that the ball shouldn't have been in that area. We had several chances to do this, that, and the other before the ball came into that area. So like that, what Sean is saying, you know, maybe there's things that we could have done differently to prevent them getting a penalty or prevent them scoring a goal so it's easier to blame others at times rather than taking responsibility for ourselves and the, the important thing that the guy was saying is that you learn from it and hopefully mm -hmm. that when we qualify for Europe next year that we'll have learned from uh, the experience this year and maybe hopefully that we're hurting because we as fans are, are certainly hurting um, and because we as fans raise the money to fund the club and that 300,000 is just like probably the most disappointing thing. Yeah. But it's, and I, you know, look, just, I don't want to go on about that either, but it's just, I suppose, is every, if everybody learns from these experiences and use it to the, yeah, to, to their advantage next year or yeah. whenever. But you know, I, you know, I think for it's, it feels very Sligo Roverish to be dumped yeah. out of the competition by a team like this at this stage. And, you know, Honor. I, I, Shoulda, woulda, coulda, see. Yeah, but you know, and I actually thought that we were in a, a more advanced position than that. I thought we a manager who's done things in Europe before, who's brought League of Ireland clubs through stages. Um, yeah, we've got a young team and we have a lot of academy players, but we have players on board who've got European experience and now. Um, and sure, we didn't have the main one maybe for the home leg, but you know, going into the the going into it, I would have thought that we probably would have put in a more of a just a more of a showing of ourselves um than than what we did it just feels like you know that the the wind has been taken out of us you know if we got paired against the polish team for example and we were taken apart you know maybe it'd be easier to take yeah uh, than have than be given the opportunity that we did to play a team where we had such an opportunity to progress but i think the point magoo was making as well about kind of losing it in the first leg isn't the bad shout because when you think back on Thursday night, we looked panicked. We looked like we needed to do this straight away. We needed to score within the first couple of minutes. So we had, whereas you look at it, you had 90 minutes. You had loads of time. Yeah. And if you but needed it, you had extra doesn't, time. That, doesn't that come down to European experience? Though? Absolutely. Yeah. It does. 100% it does. Definitely. And we didn't have that experience on the pitch. You know? I think who's From that starting 11, who played in Europe in the last eight years? Just yeah. Gary Buckley, isn't it? Buckley. Well, I do. I would have said I would agree with that a few weeks ago, but like, they're like at this look, we're in the Europa Conference League now. Okay, so it's not like say the old Europa League or not the old, or it's not like the Europa League or the Champions League where you're playing teams that you would have been playing teams that were probably a step or two ahead of you, even going in at the first round. Yeah, but I think with the conference league we're playing teams that are of the same ability as ourselves they might have more european experience but the, the, like that team wasn't better than us and like sean no. the, we we brought up the point and, and you've you said it there again is that we kept doing the same thing over and over again 
so does that mean that you have to be experienced in Europe to know not to do, keep doing the same thing over and over again? You don't. Like we're talking about a manager here that has done it before in Europe. We're talking about a team that are third in the Irish Premier Division, right? That's you know, like if you're playing for a team that's third in the Irish Premier Division, right? You're a good player. You don't right. get there because you're shite. It's not you, a fluke. It's not a fluke, right? You, you, you know, you've been playing football all your life. Um, these lads are, are quality footballers. Like Now, it doesn't take European experience. Well, for what fucking experience have we got? Mm. But we can see that we're doing the same thing over and over again, and we're expecting a different result or things to just drop our way. That's not going to do with European experience. That's with game management and things like that. And realising when you're in the game, right, to make a brave decision, do something different or take your man on or do something different from a corner. That's not got to do with European experience. That's game management. And these guys are playing for the third best team in Ireland at a very, very high level. They're very good footballers. So, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, it felt like, um, it felt like to me anyway, that um, with half an hour to go or 20 minutes to go, that um, we, we, we were kind of done with it. And um, I don't know, did, did you feel that the substitutions reflected that maybe? 100%. You can't, you can't bring on a centre half when you're chasing a game. Like, I'm sorry. I know it's kind of a half tactical change as well, but then to bring on a, on a, it'll go to the Waterford game as well because it frustrated the hell out of me as well. To bring on a, a, def, a defensive right back to play right wing back, it's just like I have, I think Colin Horgan is a fantastic right back, a brilliant right back, but he's not an attacking right back. I get to see Colin, Colin Horgan get an assist or put a dangerous ball into the box. I just don't think that's his game. And it's not a slight on the lad, because I, as I says, I think he's an absolutely brilliant right back. But to put him on as your right wing back then and looking for goals, and it's just, the whole thing became a mess. Even the fans, you could see it from the fans. Everyone was kind of just sat back in their seats. You know, I couldn't it, figure it out. Like, um, no, it was you know, just, it just felt like, yeah, that's it. All right, let's just see this game out now and we'll all go across yeah, the road. Think it, and think about Waterford. And, like we, we spoke about this before, where um, we, we've seen, I think it was Bose we called out, where um, you know they had said three games in a over space of a weekend into Monday, yeah. and they've changed their side drastically. So they've changed their side drastically, and they've lost the game where they've changed their side drastically, and then they lost the next one. Do you know what kind of way? Thinking about the yeah. game ahead rather than yeah. the game that you're in at the moment. And I don't care if you're 3-0 down with 20 minutes to go. You don't give up. Oh. You just anything, simply, anything can happen, Jerry. Yeah, you just simply don't give up. You know, and those substitutions, in my mind, signal, right, well, we're done here. But look at, Jerry, when we score. Look at the panic yes. that sets in amongst them. Yeah. They are actually panicking. Yeah. Do you think so? Oh, 100% they are. They drop deeper straight the, away. The next ball that goes into the box, the keeper counts for any drops. And yeah. young Kyo nearly scored. Yeah. They are 3-2. You still have about, probably played five minutes injury time. You still have 10 minutes probably to go at that stage. You just don't know. But you don't give up with 20 minutes to go yeah. thinking about the game against Waterford and end up losing both of them. Yeah, but I'd say, I'd say Sean, that, you know, the manager says, well, just fucking drop and, and sit in. And let's, uh, let's... I don't know. Not from what I said. They look jittery. They do. They looked like there was mistakes in them and everything once we scored. And, and then it nearly confirmed yeah. it for me when the final whistle went. It's where they won the fucking Champions League itself. So, 
you know, the manager was nearly down on his knees. Players were nearly, they were nearly crying, hugging each yeah. other like it was crazy. You know, it's only Sligo Rovers that bet now. It wasn't Real Madrid. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, any other major points on the game before before we move on? Before we move on from Europe for another twelve months, hopefully. Please God. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the big thing, Doug. That, that's the big thing. Now we have it. We're talking about uh, European experience and stuff. Like now that the lads have experience, they can't they can't leave it for another ten years before we're back in it again. Or it's just the same cycle over and over again. You have to build on it now. Yeah. It has to be a stepping stone. It has to be 100% by hook or by crook back in next year and uh, hopefully progress through. Like, so will we get a, a, a draw as good as that again? Who knows? But um, you, you have to, you just have to, you have to. And then next year, if we if we get a team like that, we might, you'll, they'll look at it before the draws, when the draw is made and hit, we're good enough to beat these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And instead of, just, instead of, I think McGinn's hit the quickly. nail on the head there, right? We've been talking for 20 minutes. He's hit the nail on the head there, right? By hook or by crook, right? You have to find a way to win games. You know, you can't be like, and again, it goes back to Sean making, saying you make your own luck. You do make your own luck. And by hook or by crook, sometimes you just have to find a way to win a game. And that game was too big of a game for to give up with 20 minutes to go. Or, look, in fairness to the, I thought Rovers were fabulous in the first half. You know, they've done everything but score. But maybe they've done the same thing again. But, you know, look, there wasn't, there wasn't any want in trying. And, and fairness, look, they, you know, they gave it, gave it everything. Look, yeah. and hopefully we will learn from that. But in fairness, as much, and I said it before, as much as we hate Shamrock Rovers, as much as we despise them, right, they have win mentality. And they, by hook or by crook, they find a way to win crucial games. So, you know, that... That, I know that comes from experience as well, but it comes from within. Um, I'll give you an example. Also, there. also though, also. Can I like, just finish yeah. this point with you? Just, just yeah. I just, just right. I just back. No, go on, go on, go on. <laughs> no, go Jerry. On. No. Go on. <laughs> go on. Right. So I was reading reading earlier on today, and I went back to try and find it, but it, there was a wee thing in news talk about Roy Keane, and the right on Roy Keane's debut, right. Um, he didn't know he was going to play, and it was against Liverpool at Anfield. He didn't know he was going to play until about an hour before the game. And Brian Clough says, throw on that shirt, see how it looks on you. And Kane throws it on. And, oh, geez, the shirt looks great on you. Why don't you play it today? And all the players are laughing and all this. But Clough was serious. So the right back, it could have been Brian Laws at the time. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting mixed up because of Shams. So Brian Laws is playing right back and Kane's playing right side midfield. And Laws is saying to him, you know, look, don't worry, be calm, just play it easy. We get through the game, we do this, that, the other, right? Five minutes in, Kane gets a tackle, absolutely wins the ball and lifts John Barnes. John Barnes is complaining to the referee. Kane turns around and tells him to fuck off and get up, right? This lad's 19. He didn't go into the dressing room and say, or he wasn't at Nottingham Forest thinking, oh, well, uh, isn't it great to be here? I just played safe. Yeah, isn't it great to be here? It's great to get a, get, a, get, a, get a lift on the bus and get to experience the first team experience. He was throwing the jersey. He took his opportunity. Now, you could say the same thing for Seamus Coleman, right? Seamus Coleman, we're talking about lads that are from Cove and Kilkenny. We're not talking about fellas that are from Rio de Janeiro or from wherever, right? But when yeah. they get the opportunity, they take it. You don't have to have... Those guys, my point is, those, those guys didn't have experience, but they had it from within themselves. Yeah, right, I've got this opportunity, I'm going to make the most for now. And I think there's a group of players, maybe that's what Rovers, some individuals need to have, you know, look, do I really want it enough? Do I need, can I give 5% more? Can I leave everything on the pitch? And again, go back to that interview with the Cork manager. That's exactly the way 
he's teaching his players. You know, they're, 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 they're learning on the job. They're giving it everything. They're leaving everything on the pitch. Roy Keane, you know, uh, Seamus Coleman. You get an opportunity, you take it. You don't let it rest in your arms. Be happy to be there. Push on. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 quickly, quickly, because we're stuck for time. All I was going to say is, and as Jerry's hit the nail in the head with Roy Keane, it's, it's arrogance. Like, I was yeah. going to say, like, Shams, the whole club is built on fucking arrogance. From the manager to the supporters, they're all better than everybody else, and we're the best club in that. But going into European games like that, and against teams, like, you've never, like, we, you can do all the looking you want on the, on the Iceland team or whatever like that, but you're not going to really know how to, like, because they were playing shit this year, like, so we don't know the best Iceland team. But you can guarantee if, like, look at Bowes. Yeah. Bowes yeah. played a team that were on the same level. Like, we've met Bowes 7 2 yeah. in aggregate this year. But they yeah. hammered their opposition who were the same level as they were. Do you know that with pure arrogance, I'd say? They're, we're way better than these lads. There's no, not a hope for us. We didn't. We were timid. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and but you know what's changing like, as well now, McGill? Do you know what's changing now is that we're actually getting an arrogance off the pitch. So we need to, ma- like Shans, but we need to start matching it. On the pitch. And just going back to the point as well, like we're the third best team in the country at the moment. We should be more arrogant. We should be have more belief in ourselves. We should push on. Like we have like the the, the we had there was a bit of a debate on Twitter, right? Between myself, Fitzo, Sean, uh uh, uh Healy, uh Stephen. Stephen Healy, yeah, yeah, Stephen, right? And and one or two others, right? And I suppose the point that Fitzo and, and that was saying, look, you know, we've come a long way in 12 months. You know, we were relegation battle this time last year. Now we're tired. And I suppose like 100%, they're 100% correct. But my point would be that, yeah, it's great, but we still have an opportunity to go further. Um, and that's not to say that I think we should be first. And I, you know, I, I think we are where we are. We probably are at our level, but do we want to go one beyond? Because the opportunity is there. You see, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Uh, oh, look who we've come I hope from. the lads don't mind me calling their names out as well, but just, yeah. But I, I mean, I'm not saying whoever I've seen. Like, yeah. in, in, that, in that discussion, I don't think there's a right or a wrong. Yeah. I think, I think we're, we're, we're doing brilliantly and we're, we're for where we are and how we play so far this season. But we've also left a few games behind us, including yeah. two European matches. So there's no right or wrong. Yeah, but I don't. But I don't. I don't buy into the. Oh look, where we've come from. We were relegation uh, thing last year. That's that's bull because we were in the relegation zone because we had a makeshift team. We had Will Seymour, nine more him playing defence. Like before the start of last season, we were looking at challenging for Europe. That's what we would have expected, and a good cup run, and that's what we got. So like, if you want to compare this season's team to the team that finished last season, then yeah, we're streets ahead this season and it's shown on the pitch too. But you can't compare it, say that we were, oh, we were relegation candidates last year. Look how far we've come. Like it's 20, like it's the 19 squad that we promoted yeah. and the transformation has been unreal. It, it hasn't. We would expect to challenge for Europe last year and we did. And we're expecting, yeah, like as, as Jerry was saying, though, the opportunity is, is there for us to push on a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Listen, um, I don't think I think um, I think that sums it up uh, pretty well. But it brings it'll bring our Euro- European conversation to a conclusion anyway. Um, 
Uh, we will take your uh, shouts from the shed end. We haven't had them in a number of weeks, so let's take them now. Spooky O'Reilly here. Thoughts on Thursday and Sunday. Thursday has to be one of the most frustrating events I've ever spent in the showgrounds. How we lost that game 3-1, I will never, never know. It's £250,000 or euros, or whatever it was, down the drain. It's something that we could be regretting for a long time to come. And Sunday just goes to prove we need to shake up badly before the season goes down south. We need to get somebody that can put the ball in the back of the net. It's just not happening at the moment and it's, it's a worrying sign. So hopefully things will improve in the next couple of weeks because it, it's a season that potentially something big could happen. But if it's not addressed, it'll all go pear-shaped. Thank you. How are you lads? Yeah, Ronan Flanagan here and Boyle. Disappointing week to tell the truth. I think we were all over FH in that first half. The two goals came absolutely the wrong time from our point of view. Unfortunately, it's another European disappointment. Watford, once again, like the FH game, our persistent attacking bared no fruit. I think we'll need to start converting our chances if we're looking to have a say in the title race and go far in the cup. Speaking of the cup, it's all about the response now and that starts with Cork on Sunday. Up the Rovers. This is Sean from America. The last couple of weeks have been pretty disappointing, um, especially going out of Europe in the manner we did. Um, it was really deflating. And then to turn around and lose to Waterford, like that performance was awful. Um, it's just the same thing that's been killing us all years, the lack of goals finishing. We should have won that game 3-4 maybe even five goals in that. Um, so uh, all in all, I guess the season has been going pretty good. You know, we're in third touching distance of the first place. We got a little gap between us and fourth. So, you know, not too much to complain about. Uh, so bring on the cup and uh, first division team and hopefully we can put some balls on the back of the net and get some of that confidence back up the Rovers. Alan Cairns here with a quick shout from the shed. A frustrating four days for the club lads, no doubt about it. Knocked out of Europe on Thursday, a game we should have won over two legs, we all know. Barred a financial loss, it also was a chance for young lads to put themselves in the shop window, scouts looking at them against better opposition rather than in a mediocre league, so unfortunately a sidebar to be knocked out of Europe, but that takes that away as well. Waterford, look, the less said the better. We could be still there tonight now. We probably still wouldn't have scored. It was just one of those games, lads. It wasn't going to go in. And as frustrating as it was, we had the chances. But look, all we can do now is move on to Cork and uh, let's get a run in the cup and get back to winning ways. Keep the faith, boys. So that's your shouts from the shed end. Thanks to Spooky, Sean and Ronan for their contributions. Some interesting thoughts there. And after the game against Cork on Sunday, you can get your shouts from the shed end into us by sending them into podcast at B-O-R-S-T dot I-E. Just give us your thoughts. Well, give us your name, your location and your thoughts on the game. And we'll play them out on next week's podcast. So now it's time for our feature interview with one of my favorite Rovers players of all time. He's the former Nottingham Forest player and now manager of Kilnamana. He's a cult hero in the showgrounds. It's the fullback with a wand of a left foot. It's Mr. Keith Foy. And um, just before um, 
Well, when I started speaking to him, he was just in from training uh, with Kilnamana. Yeah, that's right. We're just there. Uh, we are training this evening, just uh, getting preparations underway for Friday evening for the FAI Cup game against St. Kevin's. And um, you made it through the first round. You were hoping for a draw with, um, uh, I suppose, the League of Ireland team, uh, preferably Rovers, but it's, it didn't happen. The draw wasn't kind to you. Or maybe the draw was kind to you. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, look, obviously, we're after uh, qualifying for the first round of the Cup, and uh, we were hoping to get a big League of Ireland team, but it hasn't happened. And uh, we just have to focus on Friday now and uh, hopefully get into the next round. Hopefully, Rovers will get through as well. Who knows in the last 16 then, you know? Uh, Kilnamana, is that where it all started for you, football-wise? Um, um, well, it originally started with St. Paul's Artem when I was five or six, and then on to St. Kevin's, and then when I was 12, my mother and father moved over to Kilnamana. So I was with Kilnamana there from the time up to 15, till I went over to England, you know? Yeah. So, and so, from what I read, it, it was, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here a little bit, but um, it was from like th 13, 14, well, you, you went over it around 15, but from the age of 13, there was interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the age of 13, really, um, had a couple of trials with uh, Nottingham Forest. Um, there was a few other clubs as well. Celtic Leeds that I had a few trials with. Um, I signed the contract probably about 18 months prior to moving over, so I would have been just turned 14 maybe um, yeah. when I signed the contract with Nottingham Forest, you know. And do um, when you're in a situation like that, um, how does uh, how does one club convince you over the other? Like, were they all were they all rolling out the red carpet like Celtics and Leeds? Um, listen, they were and they weren't. Um, every time we went over to Nottingham, they invited my parents over after the first time I was over, and I think that made me mind up in terms of uh, they looked after myself and my mother and father. And, um, Andy Reid was also um, over there at the same time with his parents as well. So we we just kind of had a, had a little click and we were always made feel real welcome when we came over. Not yeah. only me, but my mother and father as well. And that didn't really happen anywhere else, you know. So I guess that right. was a, a turning point when I was coming down to it. Um, so the, fir the, like the first time I ever heard of you or saw of you, came across you, I suppose, was, and you know, what, you know, you were born in 81, I think, same year I was born. So... Um, you know, that under, it was an under-16 team at the European Championships in 98 that went all the way. Uh, one of only, I suppose, two Irish Republic of Ireland teams that ever really won anything of any significance. I mean, that's, to be involved in something like that, um, I suppose, did you have the feeling that this is what football is, is about? It's about, you know, there's going to be loads and loads of medals and loads and loads of trophies in the way? Yeah, of course. Look, that was... Um... A special point for me personally and as a group as a team like even now it's 23 years ago i think is it 23 years ago since it happened yeah. but because uh all of us in that squad to this day we're all in the whatsapp group you know and yeah we all keep in touch so it was special times and obviously to achieve what we did and it was kind of unheard of for an Irish team to achieve that and we achieved it in the may 98 and then the 18s achieved it six weeks later um, so it was good times for Irish football and obviously it was a special point for us as a team and on a personal note in the final against Italy scoring a goal and everything else you know yeah um, yeah so it was uh, it was the first time I ever seen and I always actually wanted to ask you about this it was the first time I ever seen uh, a five man wall get bowled over 
Uh, <laughs> first time I've ever seen that, that tactic. I don't know if, you, if it was needed for the free kick in the end. Did the free kick come off the wall or not? Or did it go straight in? No, no, it didn't come off the wall. Don't be giving it that. No, it, it went straight in. But listen, we uh, we actually worked on that. Um, David McMahon would have been on the side of the wall at the time, and we always worked on just moving the wall a little bit to try and open the angle up a little bit more, you know? Yeah. And in the end, I actually went over to the other corner, so there was no need for yeah. it. But we always laughed about it. He took the whole wall out. <laughs> 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 you know? Yeah. Uh, so, like, so, it was an incredible, like, I think Sligo Rosie and Roster was in that, um, in that squad right, as yeah. well. Uh, Liam Miller, RIP, um, Jonathan Douglas, um, John O'Shea, obviously, and yeah. Andy Reid. Like, the, the relationship that you have, or that you had with Andy Reid, personally, I suppose, it must have been really strong because you, you, you've, you did so much together professionally and with the, with the national team. That must have been a, a really strong bond. Yeah, it was. Like, except for Andy shared a room for three years and um, we obviously played together at club level and international level all the way up um, so we always had quite a good relationship off the pitch as well as on it and obviously helped it too which, you know yeah. um, it didn't go without its little arguments you know like I thought <laughs> I was a better free kick taker than him he thought he was better than me so we always uh, put each other under a little bit of pressure who was taking the next one and everything else you know but it was uh, it was a good competitiveness we had between us you know yeah Um and what was it like working under um, Noda Riley or working with Noda Riley and Brian Curves, two very special people um, who, um, you know, probably never got the credit that they deserved in Irish football with the way things worked out for, for Kerr in the end. Um, mm. But was he a huge influence in, in, um, in your football life? Absolutely, he was. Um, him and Noel, all the squads from, um, we got introduced to Brian and Noel at the end of the under. 15 campaign and Vinnie Butler was looking after us and then Brian came in and took us over for the under 16, 17 and 18 um, and they had, they had a, a lot of influence on, on all of us really with what we were able to achieve um, anywhere you go now you're talked about as oh, that's the lad that played for Ireland under 16 with the European Championships and mm-hmm. that's all because of, of the two lads you know um, the two of them worked excellent with each other you couldn't um, have one without the other as such, you know. And obviously what Brian and Noel achieved at U level was uh I think we'd be doing well to get anywhere close yeah. within the future. Um obviously Brian went in and Noel and they took the senior job and for me they left that position too soon, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I know there's a lot of things that went on um behind the scenes, but even away from football to this day, Brian would ring you and make sure everything's all right. If you have any problems, you can call Brian and he'll advise you on anything, really, not just football, you know. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, fun memories. Um, so you, uh, I was just going to say as well, just in relation to uh, the final against Italy for the under 16s. Um, so you scored the you scored the opener, is that right? Then they equalised, right, yeah. and yeah. then uh, you. Um, you were involved in the second goal as well because you dinked the ball up to to Graham Barrett. You got that kind of you got that that move uh, rolling as well, didn't you? Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, I like to think so. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no. Look, it was a it was a good goal. The second one, obviously, we went one 0 up in the thirty second, thirty third minute, and we conceded about the fifty fifth minute, and it was actually the first goal we conceded all tournament. You know, so oh, was it? Um, yeah, we hadn't conceded all the way up to the final. So it was interesting to see how we reacted. And obviously, 
we hit back nearly, I think it was about eight to ten minutes later, we hit back to a nice little move, quite patient, walked the ball across the pitch, came back out to the left, up to Graham, Graham rolled to Andy, and Andy rolled across to uh, Dave McMahon, who hit it into the net, and lucky enough, we held on the end without the Italians really uh, having any chances to talk about yeah. at the end, you know. You'd serious support as well for that game because was there a, a Ricky Celtic fans in there giving you a bit of a boost as well? That's right. We played the Floyd night and Celtic were playing on the Saturday and I believe it was the match they were playing to win the league the next day. So uh, there was a lot of fans over and obviously we had a lot of um, of our parents over and people from different clubs came over and um, yeah, it was certainly something that was... Uh, in your head for the rest of your life, you know. Yeah, I should just say that the competition was um, for people who aren't aware. The competition was held in Scotland, and the final was in um, is McDermott Park. McDermott Park in Perth, yeah, yeah, yeah. St Johnson's uh, right. home ground, yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, so I mean, back to the football side of things, or back to the club side of things. Um, you went over to Forest at a very early age, and um, that seemed to be a, a done deal qu- quite early. Um, and I suppose it took you like did it take you two years to until you made. Uh, your debut, uh, and it kind of came a little bit out of the blue, I think, under David Platt. Is that right? Yeah, um, yeah, I would have been there about three years. I went there when I was 15, and I made my first team debut when I was 18. Um, I don't, I don't want to say, yeah. I don't want to say the, the debut came out of the blue, it didn't come out of the blue, <laughs> but but you, it took you by surprise. Well, it, it did, no, it did because I hadn't played a lot of reserve games, I was just playing in the U team, we were playing during my 19 Premier League at the time, and um, Paul Hart was a manager at the time, he was obviously pushing a lot of us to get into the first team and it was a Wednesday morning I was at home and we had a Wednesday off and I got a call off Paul to come in so um, I went into the office and he said look I train this morning with, with, with the first team and I was actually fuming because it was my day off and I thought I was coming in just to make up the numbers you know Yeah. Um, and then he called me back in after training just said um, have you plans the weekend I said uh, well me mother and father are coming over on Friday and he says well you, you want to tell him to get Playing up the Grims because you're playing on Saturday, so that's how it came about. And uh, yeah, I played my first match uh, up in Grimsby um, back in 2000, 2000 was actually, yeah, 2000. Yeah, yeah. And um, in it, left back that was, was that dude, that was the mainstay, that was always the mainstay, was it? Left back, left back was. I was actually, I was a centre midfielder up till I was the age of 15. All right, and then I went. And had a uh, trial match with the Ireland under 15s at the time. And um, Bobby Smith, it was, came to me and asked me, would I play a match in that left foot just to cover? They hadn't got enough left foots. And so I said, yeah, no problem. He, he'd already seen what to do in midfield. And then I ended up, that was it. I ended up playing left back the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. You know? uh, but happy enough to do this, both, yeah? Of course, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Anywhere you can play, I was happy enough, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I suppose everyone talks. Well, I suppose before I push on, David Platt. I mean, what a figure to play under. What a like. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. What was what was he like? He was an excellent coach. Excellent coach. He's obviously after uh, playing at a high level all through his career, and I've obviously been looking at him growing up and scoring goals at World Cups, European Championships, yeah. in the Premier League, and everything else. You know. Um, a massive influence as well. Uh, it was an excellent coach to work under. Learned a lot off him. Um, obviously, I had a lot of uh, learning already coming in from uh, Paul Hart after working Paul Hart and obviously Brian Kerr and Oliver already talked about. But went there with Dave and learned a lot off him. And um, he he gave me a chance. And then 
it's probably about a year, year and a half later, he he moved on to England's under twenty one. So yeah. And yeah. Was this? Was this? Uh, are you playing championship level at this stage? Yeah, championship level. Yeah. yeah. So as a coach, he. I mean. You know, they always say that those real, you know, those talented players, those real top class, like world class players have difficulties in, you know, coaching, um, you know, lesser beings. Uh, but he, yeah, he, yeah. he didn't know he, he was, he was no, able to get and, and get absolutely. on to your level. Do you know what? He was actually a player coach at the time. So it made it a little bit easier that he was a, he was a teammate as well, you know, that way. Okay. Um, and some of the ideas he'd had. I'd never seen before, and a lot of people hadn't. He was over in Italy working um, for a time before he took Nottingham for his job. Yeah. So um, it was quite interesting working on them. And now he, he never made you feel like that, or he never put you to one side. He was uh, he always treated everyone the exact same, you know. Yeah. Um, your under nineteen manager uh, came in um, when when Platt left. Uh, just before, what, what you know what you're playing Premier League, under-19 Premier League or whatever it might be. What is the... I and mean, you often hear about, particularly with players coming over from the League of Ireland who might have played, you know, that underage Premier League level. Um, is it, like they say it is, is there a real lack of cut and thrust to it? Um, I think it all depends. I think it's... Um, you can get a really good team in the, in the Premier League at a really good standard at youth level and you can have not so good. You know, it's a, it's a hard one to, to, uh, to weigh up and to and uh, let people know exactly what level it's at compared to somewhere here in Ireland. Yeah. And um, it all depends on the individual as well. You know, the guys lucky enough in the team that, that we had, we actually won the Premier League two years in a row um, at that level. But we had some fantastic players in the team who went on to play Premier League football, like Ben Genius, Michael Dawson, Marin Harewood, Andy Reid, people yeah. like that, you know. Quality so players, yeah. it was a quality, quality team. And you obviously get other teams where they mightn't have any players that went, go on to play Premier League, you know. So yeah, it all, all depends on each individual and each team at the time. You know, it's a hard one to. Yeah, to I suppose the clubs. I mean, I, I could be completely wrong in saying this, but the clubs that do invest in at their underage structure and they bring players through, they are more likely to have them picked off by the larger clubs. Like you know, Jermaine, Jermaine Genius is going to go to Spurs, or wherever he's going to go, and Michael Dawson is going to go to Spurs as well. Yeah. Andy Reid went as well. Yeah. <laughs> and Andy Reid. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, do you know what? It was actually at a time where uh, Nottingham Forest were struggling catch wise, and they just they just come out of Premier League a few years before, so they lost a lot of uh, big influences in the dressing room. Your Kevin Campbell's, your Pierre Van Hoydonk's, they lost a lot of them. Yeah, and they were looking at more of the youth players coming through, and a lot of us came through at the same time, and we lost out in the playoffs one of the years to Sheffield United in the semi-final and it was nearly within the next six months oh. all them players have been gone yeah because not even first needed to get cash to make sure that they stayed afloat and everything else and they haven't really uh kicked on since then you know they've sort of been lagging around the championships i know they dropped league one yeah. uh, a couple of times so yeah, yeah so that's the way it was um there was um there was the goal as well who was the goal against yeah, Tramir. Tramir. Tramir, yeah, edge of the box. Uh, edge of the box, yeah. Uh, Keith, Fight, Keith Fight kind of territory. 
That's it. That's it. <laughs> one of me, one of me, uh, Ireland teammates was actually in goal for Tramway, John Wolfie. So it was, oh, extra, yeah. it was extra special. You know? yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I remind him of it every now and again. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, Paul Hart comes in, then your your former under 19 manager to take over from Platt. And um, I suppose things take a little bit of a turn there, do they? Yeah, look, I always grab excellent with Paul, and I never have a bad word to say about Paul. And um, Paul came in, he gave me the opportunity. Of, I played a good few games, and in the fourth season, he was there. And come up to Christmas, and I, uh, I got a slight injury um, out for about six weeks, but that never affected them. It kind of, instead of working hard to try to get back into the team, I, I kind of went the other way, you know, and I was. I was out most nights having a drink. I wasn't eating the right things and everything else. And I just never got my fitness back to where it should have yeah. been. I guess it was uh, I had had um, my head now 20 years ago. I think I would have done all right, but unfortunately. And come here, I wanted to ask you on that. Was there lads around you who were doing the same thing, but like just because of their natural physique, or whatever, they were, they're getting away with it? Um, yeah, there was, there was. But look, that's something that was always highlighted to me from a young age, and I never addressed it. Um, and that's where it all went wrong, really. Um, I should have been one of them that I'd have to work harder than everyone else to maybe keep a few pounds on, and I just never did. I guess I thought this going to last forever and that my talent would bring it through and everything else, but I've come to learn that hard work beats talent all the time, you know? So yeah, um, that's the way it was, and look... Do I have any regrets about it? Yeah, I do have regrets about it, how, how that worked out, because I honestly believe if I had have got my head down, kept me fitness to where I should be, I, I probably would have went on to, to got a lot of caps for the Ireland senior team, playing the Premier League and everything else. But unfortunately, I messed that up all myself. But I, I look at how my life has panned out with the beautiful kids I have, my beautiful wife. So like, I, can't, I can't have any regrets about that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah so... Unfortunately, I, I I messed that all up for myself, but um, I've no one else to blame. I can't yeah, point the like, finger right now. But you're you're um you know what age are you in your early twenties? You're playing with a, you know one of the biggest clubs in England. Mm. Um, you're probably on a decent uh, wage. Mm. Uh, like, I think I think you said it before somewhere else as well that um, you know if if it was ten years later, yeah yeah, clubs would be in a much better position to. You know, yeah, give you some, it, give you some yeah. guidance and listen. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy either. Like your fitness training most most days at half twelve, Um you have a lot of extra cash lying around. If yeah. you have a if you have a Wednesday off, you're a young lad. You head out on the Tuesday night, you know, and it's not the right thing to do, you know. But unfortunately, it's what happened. Um, I don't think it's allowed happened right. nowadays. You're in college in the afternoons now. You haven't got all that time on your hands where I'm yeah. going back I'm going back 20 odd years ago here you know where that maybe wasn't in place as much as it should have been you know yeah yeah so yeah I suppose like when you think about it like you think about you know there was a big deal made about um that generation that Connor Clifford played with in um at Chelsea you know that there was all these mm. young lads who were on massive money but you never hear any you know you never hear about any wildness or any craziness going on because I suppose they're all so well looked after and everything's kept under wraps and you know if you make it you make it if you don't make it you don't make it mm. um, but sure um, listen you you, you know you, you went and you played with, with Doncaster um, ultimately you come back to Ireland mm. and um, 
You played with Monaghan and what was the other team you played with? I went back first, I went back to Pats, then I went to Dumsey, then Monaghan, then up to Rovers. So how does Rovers come about? Sean Connor gives you a shout. Yeah, so basically I played for Monaghan in the fourth division this season. Rovers went up as champions. And um, I got a call out, out of the blue at the end of last season. Um, I can't remember the left full's name that you had at the time. Capone uh, No. Oh, that's the one. Was Capone it? Was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pull that out of the back yeah, pocket. That's it, that's it. <laughs> he, he went back home. So Sean was on the lookout for a left full. So he called me. I met him in a hotel up in Dublin. Yeah. And um, I had my mind made up after, after the first conversation with me, you know. Yeah, but it's what I wanted to do. The opportunity to play full time football again because with Monaghan it was only part time, couple of nights a week, and working on the side and everything else. Well, it wasn't what I wanted to do. I was only 25, 26 at the time. I still felt if I put my head down, I could have got away again, you know, back over, over the war maybe and made a career for myself. Um, but yeah, so that was um, 2005. I had that chat room, I would have signed for the 2006 season. Am yeah. I right in saying that, yeah? Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, um, so, yeah, the ambition was to get back. Like, was there people telling you that there, there was interest back in the UK if you could get things uh, back on track? Or was it just, was it you telling yourself? It was more uh, me telling myself. I was, I was still in contact with Paul Hart as well. He went on to other clubs and uh, that were in League One, League Two. And he was telling me... If, if, if you did want to come over and have a try, we'd have a look at you. If you, if you got yourself back in the right physical shape, you know. So yeah. that was always in the back of my mind to try it. Um, but as we are now, it never worked out like that. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, And what are your kind of abiding memories of your, your time in Sligo? Obviously, Sean Connor leaves. Um, Paul Cook mm. comes in mm. fairly quickly after um, the little cameo by uh, Rob McDonald out in Bray. Um, what, what's your abiding memories of uh, of your time in the showgrounds? Obviously, Paul Cook must have been another um, significant manager in your in your uh, in your career. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Listen, I came in under Sean. And, uh, Sean was excellent and what he done with us. Um, unfortunately, it ended quite sour from a Sligo point of yeah, view. Yeah. Um, how he left at the end of the fourth season. Um, did that have did that have an effect on the on the playing staff? Did did you feel like things were coming to potentially coming to an end or that kind of era was coming to an end? I won't lie, it did because there was a lot of uncertainty at the time. Um, we all heard about it on a coach ride up to, we were up to, going up to play UCD and Sean was in the car behind us. He wasn't on the coach. So I was coming to the end of that season, the 2006 season. Um, there was rumours going around and it was after that game he'd actually told us that, look, he'd, he'd taken his opportunity up at Bohemians. Yeah. Um, to leave and then there's obviously a lot of saying obviously uh, Rob McDonald came in and he had his own ideas how he wanted to train us and everything else um, and I think that, I that, was, that, 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 that must have created more jeopardy just that the whole thing about Rob McDonald it did because we were losing we knew we were losing the likes of Chris Thor as well and we knew we knew Sean was out and there was one or other two lads um, Darren Manserin and yeah. who had been an influence on the team you know um previous season we lose all these players and we were unsure how much experience Rob had in the league at the time and um, so he was he was there for pre-season for six weeks I think he lasted um, and then Leo took over caretaker for a while that's right yeah Leo's second name Tierney uh, Tierney that's right yeah 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 
So he um, he took over for a short time. Then obviously Paul came in and all took off again. Well, hold on, did did uh, did Sean Connor not tell you, hey Keith, you're, you're coming up the road with me, no? Yeah, he did. He did. He did at one point. All right, but uh, that phone call never happened. He must have realised when he went up to go. He was yet a better left foot up there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think it was Conor Powell actually was the left full up there at the time, so he was happy enough with Conor. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So ultimately, yeah. Cookie comes in. Yeah. And what, what, what were your initials? I mean, I think as, you know, when we seen Paul Cook's name mentioned, I suppose we didn't know a lot about him, but I was Googling, we were all Googling him like mad. And oh, um, we we thought, um, well, this this would be interesting anyway. I don't know how it's going to go, but yeah. he, he looks like an interesting character. Um, what were your initial thoughts when Cook comes in? Amira, um I've played against Paul once or twice in England. All right. He was playing for, was playing for Burnley and I was playing for Nottingham Forest. So um You knew about him. I knew about him, yeah. Um and when he first initially came in, obviously same as everyone else, I wasn't too sure how much managerial experience he has. I wasn't sure how uh, how much he knew about the league. But after a couple of weeks of training and a couple of chats with him, I think we all knew this man was going to be successful, you know. Um one of the strongest things he had he remembered what it was like to be a player you know and yeah. he always talked to you in the proper way and he wasn't shoot with things a lot of managers can go into management i forget what it was like to be a player and that's when you lose players you lose the dressing room um, and everything else and he always made the lads feel important even if you weren't playing you know and yeah he had a he had a really good relationship with a lot a lot of people which uh, always helps it i think you know and was he all personality and uh, was he more personality than coaching or did he balance both? He balanced both really well and obviously he played at a really good level so a lot of people um, respect him when he was um, trying to coach things or tell you things and then he had the personality with that so when you have to tell them when you have the right balance the right mixture it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to have you know Yeah um, So I mean, I don't know do you make it back down to the showgrounds in Sligo uh, every now and again, or when was the last time you were down? Yeah, I do. I haven't been down there obviously in a couple of years with uh, COVID and everything else. Um, but the main mean to get down with my children, um, obviously, I've, I've one child that's 18 the minute, so he knows all about Sligo um, up what the town is like up there, and he, he knows all about Rovers. He's not a good few Rovers games, but uh, the second lad, he's 10 now, so he's heard about it. but yeah, he uh, he never experienced it when I was there, but he's been up to a few games. He was actually um, mascot for Piers' testimonial. Oh, very um, good. Yeah. So I have been back up, but I just I'm, I'm definitely mean to go back up. I'm actually I'm, I'm on, on a little a little week away in a couple of weeks up in Donegal, so I'll certainly popping up the slide for one of the and, afternoons. And I believe um, I believe you're one of very few. Uh, um, uh, Dublin men who were happy to walk around Tala addressing Shamrock Rovers as shams, is that right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I upset, I, I upset a few uh, sham supporters by calling them shams, you know, but uh, <laughs> it's just a slogan with me. Um, I was up there for three years and I obviously have uh, fond memories of slogan. I had a, a, re- a really good uh, relationship with uh, with the Rovers fans up there and slogan was a town. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I've always held, held uh, Rovers quite close to me, Art, you know. Um, so do you have any abiding memories of, of your time in in, uh, in the bit of red shirt? Um, yeah, it's been a, it was a few moments, obviously, like that. Anytime you put it on and ran out in front of the crowds, I always, uh, 
unbelievable memories that I'll always live with me. Probably one highlight was the equaliser I got against Strad up in United Park, you oh, know. Yeah, yeah. Um were going for the league that that time and uh, we were just it was obviously an important match um for them and to to score a goal in the ninety fourth minute or whatever it was and from the way it went in, everything else is uh, always living with me as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the 18-year-old, is he? He's not playing for Kinder Man, is he? He is. He is. He's playing for Kinder Man at the moment. He's playing for the Saturday team. Um, at the moment, he's been involved in one or two of the squads with myself, but I haven't brought him in just yet. All right. Is he any good? He's not bad. He's not bad. He's not, no. not bad. He's uh, he's the opposite to me. He's uh, he's quite fit. <laughs> so he, he looks after himself you know right okay and is he uh, left footed or right footed where does he play he's right footed he plays either right footed or right midfield alright okay okay um, yeah. there was a couple of rovers heads up at um, the, the game you bet home farm in there in the cup a number of weeks ago so um, yeah. some of the Dublin uh, Slug Rover supporters are, are keeping an eye on, on how you're going um, so um, yeah just to finish things up like you so you, you told Paul Cook um that you you were going back to Dublin to pursue a career outside of football. Um, mm. uh, and you're working with Amazon now, is that right? Yeah, I work with Amazon now. Um, I initially went home and obviously um, had to had to train myself in all over again with with some sort of career. So I got involved in a low voltage cable. So um, I'm a data technician now. Well, I was a data technician, should I say, with Mercury for eight years, and um, I moved to Amazon. Four and a half years ago, so that's who I'm with now, Amazon. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Paul Cook, job. Paul Cook was interested in keeping you in Sligo as a player, or, or or more than a player. Yeah, he wanted to bring me in on the as one of the coaches um, at the time. And listen, if it's a, if a, if I had been probably now, I probably would have jumped at the opportunity, you know. Um, but just at the time, I just wanted to get me life in order and everything back on track and try and provide property for my family you know yeah, and yeah. if I could have done it on a on a part-time basis maybe could have looked at some but obviously yeah. as you know uh, I was full-time so it just wasn't an option at the yeah. time you know and uh, do people you know when you work with people on Amazon or wherever you might be doing your work do they come up to you and say are you are you <laughs> I have to be careful what I say here because I'll, I'll get awful stick off them. <laughs> um, but that look, you do the odd time, you know, the odd person that's into football or into League of Ireland, they obviously ask it a couple of questions and yeah. else, you know. But, but does, um, it, does it feel like you're living that you've lived like a number of different lives? You know, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because you're obviously in a bubble when I was in uh, in England and you were kind of uh, looked at. As a celebrity, shall we say? Um, yeah. And then obviously now I'm, I'm just I'm just walking away as as an armor bloke, but you still have some people looking at you as oh that's the footballer, you know that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's be quite funny, you know. Like I don't like I take it all and destroy it and everything else and have yeah. to laugh about it or whatever, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. Um, okay, thanks a million for your time. Um, no problem. It was great Pleasure. to chat to you. Um, and we wish you all the very best uh, in... Who did you say you're playing? Kevin's in the next round of the Cup? Playing St. Kevin's on Friday night in uh, St. Aidan's College, yeah, on Collins Avenue. On Friday night. Okay, and um, you... That's the first round proper of the Cup? First round proper, last 22, yeah. Um, so hopefully we can get through. It'll be a, it'll be a tough game. Uh, St. Kevin's are two leagues behind us at the moment, but 
then not taking that for granted, you know. Um, it's gonna be a tough test for our boys. It's on an Astro and everything else, so right, okay. Um, it's something we're not used to, you know. So um, we'd be treating it uh, with the utmost respect, you know. Yeah, yeah. So if if Cork can take or Sligo can take care of um, Cork, who's to know? Um, we might. Um, uh, both clubs might cross paths. Um, I don't know. Have, do you get to see much of Rovers? Um, no, as I said, I haven't got to see a lot of them uh, over the last few years. Um, uh, there's a lot of time when Rovers are playing up in Dublin, it either clashed or yeah. I needed to go and see another team that we were playing the following week, you know, that way. So yeah, are you, put, are you putting in big hours from kind of manner point of view, of view as well? Is that like five to oh, ten hours a week? 20, 24 hours a week. Yeah, or seven, you know, yeah. you're taking calls, you're going to watch other teams play. Obviously, we only try and choose tonight, Thursday for an hour and a half, hour 45. And then we play our match on the Sunday, but we've we've three senior teams, so we've another team to play on Saturday and another team to play on a Sunday morning as well, you know. So, uh, we've three senior teams that, um, that I try to keep an eye on as much as you can, but director of football, um. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. But uh, yeah, but look, those take up a lot of time. I'm lucky enough that I have a wife to treat, you understand them, but it's, yeah. um, she gives me lots of support because without her, it wouldn't be possible. Like, uh, I'm probably going to go off this car now and I'll have, I'll have a few calls to take probably off a couple of players, maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, well, listen, Keith, um, I'll consider how busy you are. We're very appreciative of the time that you've given us. And um, as I said, wish you all the best uh, in the Cup. Uh, hopefully, it'd be great if um, if uh, both uh, Kill the Manor and uh, the Bit of Red to get drawn out together. That'd be, that'd be pretty special. Um, so, um, yeah, listen, uh, if we don't see you in the next round of the Cup, we'll see you in the showground at some stage. Absolutely, absolutely. And Connor, thanks a million for having me. It's been a pleasure. No bother, no bother, Keith. Really, really nice to speak to you. Cheers, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much to Keith Foy for his time. He's a busy man. And he's putting big hours into managing Killing the Manor. And um, he gave us half an hour there. So we're really grateful for, for that. Thanks a million, Keith. And hopefully we'll see you back in the showground soon. Whatever about the European results, um, the game... Down in Waterford, sure it was in 24 degree heat or 25 degree heat, but my God, was it frustrating. Uh, you know, you spoke about there doing the same thing over and over again. Um, not, get, not getting in behind um, FH, but it seemed the first 20 minutes, well, maybe for the first hour, maybe we were doing the same thing, trying to hit balls over the top um, that just were not coming off for whatever reason. Um I don't know, like, I was just, it was just so frustrating. And it's hard to sum up. It's hard to get a handle on, you know, the type of team that Waterford are. Obviously, they're they're buoyed by the new manager and they've got new players in there and they've got some decent players and decent attacking players down the width or down the wings. But, um, Sean, what, like, what, what, how did you come away after that game? What was your... Banging my head against the wall. Yeah. Um, playing balls over the top against the team that aren't playing a high line. Yeah, there's very little room there. That are basically sitting on the edge of the D. What spaces they're in behind? There's a goalkeeper sweeping, and either he gets it or it just runs out of play. There's no, there is no ball in behind. You know, you play it to feet, and you try and beat the full back, and you try and play a ball in across the six yard area. Yeah. that's where that's where our best chance comes from in the first half. Yeah, cross in around the six yard area, it lands at Kenny, and it's an amazing save from the keeper. But. Yeah. It's honestly, Connor, that game was just frustration. That's all I can describe it as. It's just pure and utter frustration. 
Um, we had said it before, uh, Jerry, about um, moving uh, Jordan out wide to the right. Um, that seems to be it seems to be off the cards completely now at this stage. I mean, I, that get, we needed to change something uh, down in Waterford. That seemed like an obvious and kind of straightforward move, um, but it was they were reluct- they were reluctant to do it. Yeah, um, I don't know why, because you know. Um, the first game against uh, HF when he did go out to the right he got a got a lot of joy and I think when he ever does go out look if I was if I was a centre midfielder right and I was playing in the number 10 role and we're trying to play and it's not working yeah I want to move because I want to get on the ball I want to do things and if I think that there's an opportunity that I can exploit the opposition by moving out to the right for me personally I would want to do it yeah because I want to show what I can do. And we all know that Jordan Gibson is probably, in terms of skillful players, you probably pop top top three in, in the league. Easily. Um, but he's getting suffocated in the middle. Or when we're trying to force through the middle. Or then we're playing diagonals out to, the, out to Walter. It's not happening. So the ball's going over his head. And it's either going out for kick out. So we, we can't build in it. But we also, we're persistent with playing Jordan in the number 10 when it's not going to suit every game. There's games yeah. where it suits him absolutely perfectly. Games against the likes of Dundalk, Shams, Bowes, teams who like to be on the ball, whole possession. His work rate is unbelievable in the number 10 role. He will press everything and he wins back possession a huge amount of the time. Those teams leave space. You're looking at the likes of Waterford there the other day. They're playing with a, a solid back four and two nearly holding midfielders. There's no space for a number 10. Mm. It's going to be congested straight away. Yeah. Once he gets on the ball, he's looking to beat players. That's his game. You can't, you can't beat six players in, in a small space. It's not going to happen for you. You know, if you put him out wide right in a game like that, he's going to get joy against the left back. It's, it's baffling as to why it just can't be for certain games. We swapped things around. It's... And we would have thought that the front four would have been kind of fluid enough that, you know, you could start at the right, but end up in the middle. Yeah. You know, that it'd be a yeah. bit more kind of revolving. But yeah. it seems to be very static. Static, yeah. Oh, it's so structured. Like, and it but it, no uh, but at the, towards the start of the season, there was there was definitely more fluidity between yeah. players, you know. Um, and that included Romeo, who would play in much deeper roles. Uh, he'd go into a number nine. You'd have uh, Gibson... You know, up in Dalyman Park, uh, Gibson was, you know, there was there was just so much more fluidity, and it goes back to me. I've said a number of times, if we don't have players who are asking questions, who are, who if you're not asking questions of the midfield and defence in front of you, it makes things so easy for the opposition, and and I think that's where, like, what we are by there's no doubt about, we're a much better team than Waterford United. They, they, they've just they're another they're another group of players and they've got some quality players and they have been brought together but we have to be much more organized and in that organization we have to be able to be more creative to be able to think more creatively on the pitch and for pe- somebody to say right now it's time for gibson for you to shift out and we're going to really mix it up and i like i don't know like uh, david Colley goes into a 10 or more than goes into it just you just do something different and then the center halves have to go what's what, what are we supposed to do here and then you know you do it for five minutes or whatever but McGrew, it just—it seems to be so rigid at the moment. It does, but do you think the players like should be doing that themselves? Like, if it was me, if I was, if I was Jordan, and he's playing number ten, he's not asked like. No, Sean said that he does. He does a huge amount of closing down and stuff. But when the other team is in attack, 
he's not he's not funneling back. He closed down from the front, but once they're in tower half, he's not he's not funneling back. He's staying up the field. But Mark Byrne is back, and Ryan or Walter back at the other side. So why isn't he not veering out left or right to pick up the sp- go into the space? Yeah, yeah. Go where the space is and look for the ball. Like I don't care where Jordan plays. If he plays right, left, center, up top, it doesn't matter as long yeah. get them on the ball is the problem. Get yeah. him on the ball. We need I, him on the ball. I'm moving things along a little bit further now. Are we a team now? If we so we had, we dominated the game the first twenty minutes, half an hour of the game. Um, they came back into it then towards the end of the second half. If we don't score uh, after a period of dominance like that, um, do, we're predictable, that, Connor. Does, but does that put us on the back foot? Then do we kind of do we shrink back into our shell a bit? I just think we're predictable. <laughs> go on, Miguel. No, I was just going to say we we said it last week that we don't score enough goals anyway. Like so, if you go goal down, you're you're in big trouble. We're not clinical enough. But I think we're over halfway through the season now. Okay. And we've stuck with the 4-2-3-1 the whole way through. Like, we're not dealing in the early 90s anymore. Like, matches and teams are studied beyond belief. Like, we've been worked out now. You know, teams have found a way of playing against us and how to make it frustrating for us. We do need to switch things up tactically at times. Like, I've been looking at the last few games, and I genuinely think we could benefit from going to playing two up top. I think with Romeo and Johnny there, I think that could work perfectly. I think you look you've at the way centre half. You've got three natural centre halves. You've got a left uh, footer in Blaney. Yeah. Because you know, Mahan or, or Buckley can play in the middle, or the other one can play right. So you have the three of them there. Yeah. And then you've got, you've got uh, hopefully McCourt when he gets back, and then you know, on the left and whoever Banks. you want to play on the right, then it could be Banks. So or Horgan, yeah. whichever you know. Yeah. It's, it, the, you know, there's a lot of possibilities for us. But I even just look at Romeo when he comes on against Waterford. I know he misses chances. Fair enough. But the disruption he causes in that back yeah. four is unbelievable. Like, they don't know where to look. They're all yeah. over the place. We're just playing balls into them. They're bouncing off him. He's creating his own opportunities. Like, it's not from great true balls or great crosses into the box that Romeo's getting them opportunities. He's making them himself. Yeah. And I think if you put a partner beside him, like we had with Coughlin, when the yeah. two of them were together, when Romeo has someone to bounce off, I think you'll see the best of Romeo Parks then. I think an awful lot has been asked of him as a single, as a lone striker, as a number nine. And Johnny. And Johnny, yeah. Yeah. I said said it from the very start about Johnny, and it's kind of backing up my point lately, is the pressure that young lad's been put under already. I think think fellas calling that he has to be the main man. He has to be. He's 18 years of age. Chill the beans, will he? You know what I mean? This, This is his first season in senior football relax a little on him, putting way too much pressure. I even seen people criticising him because he missed that opportunity. You know, saying, oh, he needs to be finishing them. He has to. No, he doesn't have to. Because if Ed McGinty or Luke McNicholas makes that save the other end, we're praising them from here until next year. Is this yeah, the, the opportunity that uh, against Waterford? Yeah. yeah I, would say, I would say he probably should do a bit better. <laughs> he, he hits it straight down he the should, people, but he? He, he, has so much, he, has, he has so much pressure on him already, to be, as Sean said, to be the main man, that he probably feels it himself now. Like, yeah. If it is to Johnny, he's big on social media, like, and he listens to the pods, and he, he hears this all call for him to play, like, and then he, he feels it. He feels it's on him. Yeah, to, to go and do it. I suppose when you when you miss a chance like that, then he, as an eighteen year old, like it, it's bound to affect the way we go back. Into but if the there's, or, there's two defenders, there's two defenders and a keeper on the line. Yeah. Um, he, he hit a clean, like as a striker. What you want to look as a striker, he he made the right run. He went yeah, towards no, absolutely. Goals, he was in the right, right position. Yeah, the ball's coming in from the right. He he, he goes at a fucking ninety degree angle 
towards the front post, right? That's what you want your striker to do. He'd yeah. done that. He got a clean strike off first time. You Nine times out of ten, that ball goes in. Yeah, you can't yeah. do much more, Jerry. It's a snapshot. Done everything right. It's if it's a different story. It's a completely different story if he gets to take a touch. Yeah. And then decide where he puts it. And then if he hits it straight at the keeper, you're like, all right, Johnny, that's a bad finish, lad. If yeah. you get one strike at it, you yeah, know yeah, what I mean? That's, it's, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. It's in the faith of the gods after that, like. Yeah. So what about the, goes in. Yeah. What about what about the Waterford goal? I think it's unfortunate. I just think it bounces off Gary Buckley's back. I think he's trying to be clever and let it go over his go over his head that he can he can run clean onto it and play it back into Luke McNicholas. I would assume that's what he was planning on doing. But it just takes an unfortunate knock off his back. Yeah. And lands at Kavanaugh. It's a so great finish. Right? I think it's a great finish. Yeah, it is. I think your man Kavanaugh is really, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have blamed McNicholas at all because what he's got to make a decision he's coming, are we staying put? And he, you know. And when you think about it, well, like the sun is probably in his eyes as well, like a little yeah. bit. You know, it's a hard one to judge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, if we had scored that too, we'd look in fairness to Waterford lads, where they calling it one of the goals of the season. If we had scored the same, if Jordan oh, yeah. had scored got that goal for us, we'd be yeah. realizing about it from now yeah. to the end of the season. Yeah. Give credit to Waterford, uh, it and the Waterford lad, it was just a brilliant, brilliant strike. Um, give, give credit to their keepers, the two keepers as well, because yeah. the two oh, keepers yeah. had two worldies of games, yeah. So, um, like, the other that boys, was their second the, and third choice. Right? Yeah. yeah, like the, the yeah, like the other two boys only had their heads taken off as well. What yeah. about the two lads who were playing down in the, the wide channels, the kind of unknown quantities? Um, was he junior and the other fella, um, Molambo? I, I, I thought they were they got away with too much praise to be honest with you. I didn't That's see too much. Were, I, thought, I, thought, I thought junior was decent. I thought junior was decent. He looked good, but I'll tell you one thing: he looked better than the junior we had here anyway. <laughs> that much. Yeah. So. That's the junior we actually tried to sign. Yeah. <laughs> we cut the wrong one. I was I was wondering would did we make a mistake? He did look decent on the ball at first, and when he looked like, yeah. especially in the first half, if something was going to happen, it was coming through him. And anyway. yeah, I I I thought they looked all right because we let them. Yeah. Did they create much? Well, probably. You know, we we weren't we weren't at the races really. If, if we were going to lose, I think it was going to be by a goal like that. Yeah. And this and the sad thing is, we should win the game four one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, still can't, I still can't believe that Blaney. I thought Blaney's uh, header hit, hit the net. I side netting. Yeah. No, like the other one from the corner. How that, how that comes off the inside of the post? Oh yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it's I mean, not your day, it's not your day. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, that's exactly it. You just pack up and go home after that one, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. But okay, look, so so come here. Uh, how important is the the game against Cork in the cup? I mean, are we? Is it is it a, is it an opportunity now to um to give Kyo game time to give McDonald game time? <clears throat> I would suggest maybe. I would suggest maybe McDonald. Um, I I I I don't know. I just think that he might give us a little bit more leadership he might you know not that we don't have it already he might give us a little bit more steel kind of steel yeah Solidity, something about him isn't there yeah yeah i think he's been around the block a wee bit like you know the yeah. the, 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 the 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 clubs he's played for and the yeah. leagues he's played for over there i mean it's I mean who am i to say it, but it's 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 tough going over there like you know it's oh, in the trenches yeah. like it was the European game for me when he came on. He just slotted in. It didn't phase him whatsoever, even though that was his debut and it was in a European game. It, it didn't bother him. He looked, he looked decent. Like He was throwing his weight around. He, he looked a player. So yeah. I would agree with I'd like to see him get 90 yeah. minutes. 
Like I'd like to see him come in maybe, and he said himself that he can play a six or ten. Mm-hmm. Possibly there's an opportunity there to play him as a ten and 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 move um, Jordan out to the right and give yeah. him a, just get him on the ball. That's all we look. It might come across that we're frustrated, like with Jordan, but that's completely the opposite. <laughs> we want, like I just said, he's the third best player I think in terms of skill in the league. Maybe Dawson the boy one or two like that are ahead of him. But like, that's still fucking massive praise, right? But what we want is we want him. We want him on the ball because we want, we want our happen. best player to play, John. Yeah. We want our best player to entertain us. Yeah. That's what we want. And you know, then he might open up and move him back into the middle or whatever. But just. But I was going to make a point ball. before we moved on. Like, I think we're a good enough side to get nearly give Jordan a free roll. Yeah, I think we've got the players within our side. I think especially in the midfield with Morhen and Bulger when they start, like the engines, those two lads and the ground they cover is phenomenal. And then I think even at right back where you have Horgan or Banks, both lads are up and down. They cover serious ground. We have the ability to give him a free roll within the team. And if you, Jordan Gibson, flying over and back on that attacking line, I tell you one thing, the yeah. defenders won't know what but to do. It, but should he not be doing that anyway? That's a number 10. It's nearly a free roll anyway. Go, go. Go and get but the it ball. doesn't seem. But you see, that's the thing. It should. It, it should be Magoo, but it doesn't seem to be for us. Yeah. It's very structured. He's nearly. I wonder, yeah, I wonder is it going for the management players? Huh? I wonder is it, is it coming from the management side or from the player side? Yeah, I would imagine that's tactical. So, I would imagine so. Like I'm not saying I. I could be 100 percent wrong. I think that. McDonald though might give us the I, look. I I I feel more confident now about the league than I would have even two weeks ago. And I know that sounds ridiculous and considering that we've lost our last three games, but I just think he could be the, the player, the extra player that we needed to give us that bit of steel, give us that little bit of kind of grind results out, a little bit of know-how, a bit of, do you know that kind of way? That I, I think he could be, he could be the one that really gets us, gets us going. Do you know um, what, Jerry? It yeah. goes back to what you were saying earlier on about that arrogance. Yeah, and I mean this in the best possible way. He comes across like he has that bit of arrogance about him. Yeah. That he's he's not intimidated by anything that he, he yeah. knows his face. Like even when he spoke to us on the pod, Connor, you, he was a confident lad. Yeah. He, knew about, he knew what he wanted to do. He knew why he was coming back here to Sligo Rovers. Yeah. This wasn't just a, a staff gap. He was coming here to prove a point and because this was the right place for him to play football. Yeah. So I think he's got that wee bit of arrogance that we look, might get. and the lads played the lads played something like uh, ten times for Ipswich Town in the championship, right? He's played for Aldershot and he's played for Boreham Wood, right? Look, and people might say, Oh, Boreham Wood, I tell you, Boreham Wood are a serious side in, in the in the conference, right? They they finished, you know, they've been up and around the upper end of the the conference. The conference is probably the hardest league. It's definitely the hardest league in the UK, if not even Europe. Like normally, only up to recently, only one team got promoted from that division. I know there's the playoffs now, but that is, if you can play, if you can, you know, captain sides and things like that in that league. I'm telling you, yeah, to be honest, every week, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, is what, which is what, which is what that we needed on a Sunday, yeah, yeah. Sunday. yeah. Listen, lads, we're pushed for time. We need to wrap things up. Um, so it's. You know, we're not going to get too experimental for Cork anyway. That's what you're saying. I wouldn't imagine so. I wouldn't like to. I'd like it's to imperative we have to win, however we manage yeah. it. Right. Okay. Okay. So we can't. So you're not going to put out uh, a couple of lads who need game time just for the sake of giving them game time. No. No. Oh, I think, I think John. 
Well, you can, you know, but I think the likes of like as the boys said, I think I think McDonald will play. I think John will play. I think Greg will come back in, obviously. Like so, we will still be strong enough while giving lads the games that are needed. Yeah. Okay. Listen, lads, we're going to wrap things up because um, we have to. Um, this has been episode 35 of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast brought to you by the White Hag. Thanks also to our other sponsor, Barry Creed Solicitors in Sligo in Dublin. Uh, just to say congratulations again um, to Christopher Davy. I think, was the winner again. Uh, at least one of one of us benefited from the loss down in Waterford. Uh, so he mm. uh, he got the beer scorecast competition in the bag again. Is that um, his second time to win it? That's his second yeah. time to win it, yeah. Did, yeah. He win it? Did he win it the first time on the back of us winning uh, or the opposition I, winning? I think it was a positive the last time. I'm not That's sure. Let him away with it, so. But if he, I tell you, if it's two, two losses... Anyone who goes is, against Rovers on those deserves to be shot. No, but he won't, he won't be winning again if he's, if he's plugging for losses. Um, okay, listen, um, here's, to, here's to getting back on track against uh, Cork in the Cup. And well, Next game is... Are we Dundalk? We have three home games then, I think, after that. Well, Cork, Dundalk, and then... Can't Dundalk, Harps and Bulls. Uh, Dundalk, Cork, perhaps in both. All at home. Bows away. Bows away. Yeah, Bows, yeah one is yeah. away. Okay, we'll wrap things up. Uh, Shane McGoldrick, thank you. Thanks, Connor. Cheers, boys. Jerry, Jared O'Connor, thank you. Thanks. Onwards and upwards, lads. And Sean Dunner, done. Thank you. Thank you very much, Connor. We're turning the corner, boys. Don't worry. Turn the corners. Okay, good luck, lads. Thank you. Thanks, Connor.